Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast. Five questions in about nine minutes because hackers never sleep. I'm excited to talk to Dan today. Dan, let's get right into it. Question number one, who are you and what do you do? Well, I'm Dan Freckling. Uh, pleased to be here um, on the episode. Thanks, Rick. I'm CEO of Boltiv. And uh, Boltiv empowers brands to protect consumers from uh, really in their security and privacy from invasive media. And when we talk about invasive media, we mean um, ads and tags on web pages that are uh, malicious, offensive, and surveilling. Wonderful and very interesting, especially in today's world of advertising overload. What what made you want to get into this world? Like, why why do you love this world, and what made you want to get into it? Sure. Um, so there's a personal story behind that, and. I, you know, I began my career as a marketer, and I still kind of carry that uh, marketing bag as a, as a general manager and, and running businesses. But I began in marketing, and marketing was always about getting better and better at targeting, hyper-targeting, really. And um, if you look at the evolution of the internet, that's what has funded the free content that we got on the, <laughs> the internet, is the ability to monetize marketing, right? And so I really embraced that. Then I had something happen that was completely unexpected. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer, and in in that experience, uh, it was my first time having a, a situation like that. Did a ton of research on understanding different cancer treatments, and that's when I experienced getting profiled and tracked online based on those sites that I had visited and on those papers that I had downloaded. And that's also what I learned to um, understand as surveillance um, advertising. But those ads were so durable that even after my wife passed away, I was still seeing shady treatments, cartoonish treatments of cancer, dramatic um, clickbait about cancer. And uh, so that completely flipped my view of marketing and hyper-targeting. And that led me to join Boltiv as CEO and um, help bring to market this product using a technology we had developed. Actually, a, uh, it was an anti-malware technology that had applications for, uh, for privacy protection. It's interesting, and, and I'm pivoting away from our normal questions because this is such a an adjacent cyber product, but I'd be curious for you to talk to me about how this anti-surveillance tool, how this anti-malware product became what it is today and, and why that's important and why it's it's still part of the cybersecurity world. Sure, yeah. it is. A, a privacy is adjacent to cybersecurity, and we sometimes think of it as a stepchild. Sometimes it's under the CISO's office. Sometimes it's over in the legal and compliance side. But from for us, we developed a patent and patented a technology that um, what we called uh, really synthetic personas. And, and as we apply it to privacy, we call it secret shoppers for privacy. And the way that technology works is that we we visit websites and we act as real consumers would, and we experience what real consumers experience. We go down customer journeys. And what that allows us to do in the privacy world, since so much of privacy is anchored on consent, opt-in or opt-out, that we can run personas simultaneously on the same sites going through the same journeys, except one is a is an opt-in and one is an opt-out. So it's like a test and control. We have a, And we have other uh, test and controls we run alongside that, but that's in its simplest form. But that application of that technology allows us to see how each system works. And that means on a website, that means you know, the tags and pixels and beacons and things that should or shouldn't be firing. And then downstream, when you talk about the vendors, because 
publisher websites, for example, might have seven to 12 or more supply side platforms they work with. And then there's a daisy chain of vendors that go downstream. Well, are each of those vendors honoring privacy? We find about a third of the time signals get lost. So it's that application of that uh, of, of the of the synthetic personas, the simulated users that um, hasn't really been done before in privacy, but opens up a lot of vulnerabilities. So I think this is a good segue into our normal third question. You know, we talk about cybersecurity as a top concern, but what does that mean to you, especially in light of what, what you guys are doing and what you find important in your life? Yeah, yeah. Well, first I'll, I'll talk um, about the, the the security side of things, Rick, and then I'll come back to privacy. Um, our, our our core business when we talk about security is anti malvertising, and and malvertising is just a portmanteau of just malicious and advertising, right? And the the reason that this even exists is because of programmatic advertising, where we've shifted from a world where originally ads were bought and sold manually with insertion orders like in 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 magazines right but but over time different parts of this process were automated and created what's called the programmatic delivery flow so buyers use demand side platforms to target their audiences and purchase ads and as i said a moment ago publishers use supply side platforms that manage their space for them and run an auction process and this auction is called real time bidding and it happens in 10 to 20 milliseconds. <clears throat> but as these tools have become more automated and become more self-serve, there's really no guardrails in this. And so the ad delivery chain can be exploited and fraudsters and malicious actors can create fake websites. They can deliver malvertising campaigns because it's it's lucrative for them. Um, and in some cases, it's, it's, um, it's motivated from national security as states try to gather and surveil uh, others' consumers. But um, that, that, you know, back to your question about what does this mean to me is that as we see over time with anything, um, the bad actors have gotten more sophisticated. They act more and more like real businesses. And my prior experience before Boltiv, we saw cyber criminals such as drug syndicates online would have specialized division of labor. Right. Some would be in the procurement side. Some would be the website activation side, recruiting and marketing. In, in malvertising, we see a similar thing where these actors have their own product development roadmaps, their own sprints. They even gather and retrieve user data from their attacks and run it back for their own optimization. So I think to understand on the security side that malvertising, um, are, are, malvertisers are very sophisticated and they prey on consumers um, similarly to the other forms, uh, 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 the other forms of, 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 of activity that cause data breaches. And many consumers can't distinguish between what a malvertised, uh, malvertised placement looks like in a real ad or real content. So that's that's what I hope people understand about security. Next is privacy, but I'll pause there for a second in case you had any other questions about the the security side before I get into privacy. No, I think that's great, and I like I like the avenue you take to to just show how it's very difficult to see the good versus the bad. And so I'm very excited to hear what you have to say about the privacy side. Sure. Yeah. So so privacy. What's what's driving privacy? is a surge in, in regulations. It's really unlike anything we've ever seen before. If you, if you look at the history of regulations in the US and other countries, they kind of move independent of each other, whether it is railroads where it all began or food and drug 
or aviation or auto, countries have moved at their own pace. But what we're seeing right now is that it's the the the, the most the, the sort of the fastest simultaneous change in regulations around the world ever. And it started with GDPR in 2018. It's moved to all the major economies. There's over a hundred countries that have their data privacy laws. The U.S. are a little little bit behind, but it's all moving in unison, right? And that's the big driver right now. So um, fundamentally, that's a piece of it. And as I said a moment ago, if you look at the the building blocks and the technologies, they're not really ready <laughs> for the regulations. In most of <laughs> in most of like most of history, the regulations have have struggled to catch up with technology. We're in the opposite situation right now, where the technology is struggling to catch up with the regulations. And so you've got the programmatic ads that I talked about. You've also got digital objects that sit on web pages like analytics tags and and um, uh, frequency capping. And all of a sudden these are illegal. Like they've been they've they've driven um, online advertising and they've been necessary functions, but in at their face they are illegal unless certain steps are taken. So um uh, and 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 we, similarly to cybersecurity and privacy, we see a weakness among third parties. The soft underbelly comes from vendors and their practices, their privacy practices, and many times that can get brands in trouble. So I think uh, that's the other part that I would say is is um, you know it's I think privacy is going to be a top concern because the regulations are moving so fast and the vendors and technology struggle to keep up. Fascinating. So what insight do you want to share with our network of professionals? I would say that businesses are a little overconfident in where in their readiness. And there was a survey from Womble Bond, which is a law firm, and they found that six out of 10 uh, CEOs or C-levels said they're very prepared for the privacy laws. We ran our own survey where we scanned uh, the Fortune 100, and we found only a third were compliant just with the California laws. So uh, it, 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 the, the difference is, is that audits are important and there aren't really, haven't really been privacy audits to date. That's one of the reasons we developed our technology. And when we do our audits, we, we uncover a couple things. Number one, dark signals. And number two is online skimmers. And dark signals are when these consent choices get lost. When people opt out, they don't want their data shared. And that election, which is a, a four-digit string, gets garbled or lost in transmission down the vendor chain. We see that regularly. Um, the, the, the second part is online skimmers, where we see because of this vulnerability, vendors and actors will just show up in the bid stream, which is the bid stream is the auction process for programmatic advertising. They'll just show up and they'll have the ability to extract this data because uh, of lax kind of processes in vendor checks. And, and sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's Meta and Google and the firms that we're used to already getting our data, but sometimes it's odd characters like malware um, distributors in other countries that are profiling people. And we, there was an incident earlier this year with a sanctioned uh, Russian technology firm that found its way into the bid stream and was able to profile U.S. consumers. So it, it actually rises to the point it can be national national security in scope. Very interesting. Dan, let's pivot to the final question, the fun question. What's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? <laughs> it would have to be the cookie, uh, which the third-party cookie, which is being deprecated in most browsers and will be deprecated in Chrome in 2024, which is going to make it retro. It's not quite retro, but if you, <laughs> if you give me permission, I'm going to call it retro. But I think it's a fascinating history because 
the first cookie was for an, uh, for identification purposes at Netscape. And that there was an engineer at Netscape who just wanted to make sure browsers could have a memory. Oh, I've seen this user before and their preferred language is English or Spanish. Or, hey, they had an item in their cart five minutes ago. Let's not forget that, right? That was the, how, how the cookie was first created. And then a year later, DoubleClick um, turned that concept into tracking. It, it didn't take long for that to be monetized and, and to become something much greater. And so you had this little bit of, a, of, of an arms race where the Netscape engineer who invented this, who had no intention of the cookie being used that way, um, had to contend with what it, what what monster had become out of his invention. So his his answer was to create the clear cookies, right? Your clear cache, right? Clear cookies. That was the, the feature that was created out of that. But the genie was out of the bottle by that point. And that's led to that that cookie invention has led to the targeting innovations over the past 20 years, even to multi devices. Um, when the iPhone came out in 2007 and connected TV started hooking up, right? All these identifiers became just par for the course. But it all began with a piece of technology that's about to be retro when the third party cookie is deprecated, but it's now going to be replaced with all kinds of imitators and, and upgrades. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for being on the CyberPro podcast. Yep. Glad to be here, Rick. Appreciate the time. Thank you for watching the CyberPro podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on new podcasts and bonus content.